Thanks for joining me here on Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. So thankful for all of you to join me. We're going to play a bonus edition of Blunt Business where there were three interviews that I did with some of our featured guests here on the program. And we did some bonus questions with them that never aired here on the show. Because I'll be honest, there was a plan to do some testing of premium subscription content, which we never proceeded with. And with that said, by this point, I don't think anybody's going to worry about me playing this content back here on the program. I wanted to go ahead and play what you never got to hear on the program. Bonus questions with three of our guests here on Blunt Business. First of all, we're going to play a bonus interview with Sherry Ortlowitz of the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation. After the break, we'll feature a bonus interview with DeRay Ross, the CEO of DeRay & Company. And then to close things out, we'll talk with the CEO of Zone Properties, Brian McLaren. It's all bonus material that you've never heard on the program. We're going to play that for you right here on Blunt Business, starting with Sherry Orlowitz. You listen to Blunt Business. I'm right now joined with Sherry Orlowitz, founder and board chair of the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulations. Uh, Sherry, I also want to ask about how the CSCR has recently launched a monthly webinar series in which regulators and industry professionals participate in moderated conversations regarding responsible cannabis regulation. I know you had one on social equity not too long ago, and you've worked in some other areas. Uh, give me a little bit of summary of what's been going on with the webinar series and uh, some of the subjects being covered. Well, we are um, just launching it, and our first webinar series was launched at the end of September. So we have a grand total of two under our belt. The mm -hmm. first one was done by Dr. Vicki Seifert-Margolis, she spent seven years as an FDA leader. She is a leading light in science. She worked as um, an infectious disease doctor at one time with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who I think we all wow. know pretty well. Okay. Yes. Um, truly one of the leading lights, as you say, in science in our country. And, um, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that one. <laughs> oh, no. Well, if you want to just keep... I was just going to ask then... I'll come back in and just ask uh, about any future subjects that you're looking to go and tackle in the webinar series. Okay, so the, I'm sorry. So the first one, you want to, you can cut this, right? Well, I, mean, I can keep the part about the doctor there and what and the relationship and what she spoke about. I'll keep that there, but yeah. what I'll just I'll just attach on uh, about other subjects you have on. Since you only did okay. two, I can talk about what's being planned. Well, I can go back to that, um, to Vicki and to what we're doing, what we, we, we're about to get with our third one. So uh, you can start it again, whatever you want me to do. Well, take I'll, 10 I'll, seconds. You already know where to come in then. So just take 10 seconds and come on back in from there. So Dr. Vicki Seifert-Magolis um, was our first guest in our webinar series, and she dissected and described a very interesting study that was done by uh, Dr. Kripa in Brazil um, with an IND from the FDA and oversight by the University of Michigan. And what it showed um, following FDA protocol was that CBD given to frontline health workers was effective for fatigue, burnout, and stress. Wow. And that was according to blood levels. So that kind of work is the kind of work that the FDA is looking for. And, and this was work that included regular blood draws, 
um, over a period of 30 or 60 days, and um, a lot came out of that study. The second was um, a, a conversation with uh, state regulators about what they could share with the federal government and um, very lively discussion. And of course, an interest in states maintaining their control over the cannabis industry, but an understanding that they needed federal regulation and help. And our upcoming one is really good to be exciting. It is um, uh, actually, we have uh, AHA and their executive director, and that's the European Industrial Hemp Association. And they're gonna come over and tell us what they have done to create a regulatory pathway for CBD in both Europe and the UK. And we will have um, that moderated by uh, Palmer or Lindy from ASTM. And we will have one of the um, consortium members, uh, Oscar. Um, he is the president of Open Book Extracts, and he is also a member of AHA's consortium. And that consortium is a group of companies that were brought together for the purpose of paying for the toxicological studies that are being that are needed by the EU and the UK. And that was um, quite a, a step forward for our friends across the pond. I really think about the fact of, I mean, the fact that we have that, uh, some kind of hopefully repeal of the CBD can be put to market in the UK. And I'm just thinking about like, what is it? Not even about a month ago that Governor Newsom in California finally signed Assembly Bill 45 to lift the prohibition of CBD in California, which is like, so it's a market we've, that's been, has not been tapped into yet because of whatever reason that we had a repeal, a prohibition period for just, uh, CBD for a long time, and now that's been taken away. Uh, while I go ahead and keep the focus on California, I want to talk about you know what Hollywood is doing. Uh, so Associated Press recently reported that big cannabis companies are backing a new celebrity-infused campaign to enlist cannabis users to pressure Congress to legalize marijuana nationwide. The Cannabis in Common initiative, which was launched just this past week, uh, they put a website together to make it easier for supporters to email or call their congressional representatives. Uh, state licensed companies also plan to email their customers, put up posters in shops, add information. Uh, Seth Rogen was actually quoted saying, quote, legalizing cannabis is long past due. And if we make enough noise, we can make it happen, end quote. So pro-legalization groups that have mounted state and federal campaigns for years and advocates are split about cannabis in common, which isn't focused on any particular piece of legislation or legislation, excuse me. And but the organizers say they're breaking ground by extensively involving major industry players and mobilizing their customers. I mean, this sounds like a nice gesture. I don't know. Do you feel like there's any kind of teeth behind something like this? And I mean, what what do you feel about you know this kind of exposure and where celebrities or people just high profile are trying to put the case across? You know, I think part of the process of destigmatizing cannabis is bringing people from all walks of life into the industry. And I applaud cannabis in common because mm -hmm. whether you are sweeping the street or in the Oval Office, the likelihood that you have used cannabis is pretty great. And a lot of people feel embarrassed that they use it. Um, even if it's now that in a lot of states it's legal, it's federally unlegal. I mean, it's federally not legal. I like that. The unlegal cannabis. Um, 
So, you know, anything that starts to bring attention to the cause that says this is not the evil weed that was the subject of reefer madness, these are the kinds of things we need. We don't only need the seriousness, we need to lighten up to. You know, it brings me to a thought where it's a very old school thought process, but when we used to have certain, uh, you know, for an initiative like this, if you had a thing where you showed, okay, there's putting the spotlight letting these celebrities be spokespeople, but then also opening the door to show, look at what's this doing for people that, you know, if you have children that are dealing through, through epileptic seizures or for people that are going through chronic pain, I think of the days of like a Danny Thomas running the, uh, what's the name of that hospital? Oh, uh, St. Jude's. Yeah. So yeah, Danny, John, Danny Thomas running St. Jude's or Jerry Lewis with muscular dystrophy or John Schneider with the Children's Miracle Network. And knowing that you'd have people that would be standing side by side with people that were, you know, that were patients or those that were uh, advocates and those that were just really feeling the benefits and bridging that together. It, I'm surprised there has not been one organization or if a cannabis economy could incorporate that and create a better case. Well, we're just getting started. Give us a chance. That's what I say. And when I say give us, I mean us, the United States. It's time to bring this to as a less divisive way of having conversations. Whether you are a Republican or a Democrat, right. you're interested in cannabis. It's interesting to me that no matter what kind of setting I'm in, whether I'm sitting in a meeting at Women Corporate Directors or I'm at a uh, Voices for Children, if everyone, everyone is interested in cannabis and they're starting to realize little by little that this is maybe not the evil weed and the gateway drug that we grew up with. I'm not saying it's a miracle cure, but there's a lot of potential for medical um, cures, potential. And as you and I were talking about earlier, R&D needs to get easier. And yeah. I think this administration and this president will indeed break down some walls for R&D and potentially look at legalizing medical. Because most importantly, I know President Biden has been on record to say that, you know, he would be able to sign this bill if the research and, and the information and the science backs everything up. So it's the information that needs to be gathered in order to go ahead and get the support to go ahead and get this bill signed, whenever that might be. Stay tuned after the break. We continue my bonus edition of Blunt Business with my interview with DeRay Ross of DeRay & Company. Stay tuned. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. I'm here on Bloom Business with Duray Ross, President and CEO of Duray & Company. And oh, a couple other things I want to bring up to you just off on a tangent. Just to talk about the PR in general. Uh, from your for, for your fellow PR folks, those that will be listening in, business to business, you know, anybody else that's in the PR industry, I could name names that I've all talked to. They, they know, they, you know, they, they've spoken with me many times before. Uh, are there any traits you've carried over from traditional PR that remains effective in the age of digital? So is there anything you've learned that, you know, any tools or tricks that you use for other clients that uh, that have rolled over here? Maybe they were not adopted right away, but are there any certain things you've noticed now that uh, – from your experience of PR that has worked very effectively in the cannabis or psychedelics industry? Well, certainly I think in account management and how we work with clients and keeping things very structured. Obviously, there are times in, in these industries where things are, are not structured because things are moving so quickly. But I really think trying to have a strategy and a plan. And sometimes you have to go back and revisit the plan or things have shifted or that product isn't going to be available. So let's step back, but really trying to bring that strata. It's basic. I mean, this is, this is very basic, but mm -hmm. things are moving so quickly in these industries that I feel that sometimes it's, it's a rush to get to the next thing or to get the product out. And sometimes let's step back and just go, okay, let's identify the goals. Let's, what is our strategy and our timing and our timeline? Because sometimes it's just, let's get it out there. Let's go. But also we have to remember that we're pitching media and we don't want to go to the well too often. We don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot, so to speak, with pitching this. And then in, in, a, in a week later, we're going to have something else. And so I think it's really trying to get with the clients certainly early on and talk about what does that strategy look like? And also sometimes you're at a fork in the road and I, and I very frequently and my team very frequently, we have to tell clients, okay, if you go to the right, it means this. And if you go to the left, it means that mm -hmm. you're kind of, you're making a statement. You can't come back from it. So let's, let's talk through what going right and going left would mean so that we can determine, you know, if we're at that crossroad, okay, which way do we want to go? Because here are the implications down the road. And so we very much look, look at if we're saying this now, what does it mean in the future? And I think sometimes in many industries, certainly in, in cannabis, that there's this rush, just given how, how fast paced everything is to get the product out or to get this out there. And it's like, okay, but, you know, are we ready? Can we fulfill what, you know, if we're driving traffic, are we ready for the traffic? Are we ready for the interest in this? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's, you know, we don't want to drive people to something that's broken or that not ready or that you can't capitalize off of. And certainly in, in my role as, as, you know, as, as the founder and owner with the new business calls that we get, believe it or not, I spend a lot of time telling people, 
you're not ready yet. You're not ready. You're, you're not there yet because yes, I know you want the PR, but if you can't capitalize off of it, you're not going to be happy with it at the end of the day. And so very often am I telling folks, you know, call me when you're ready or let's put, you know, where are you at in this process? And certainly with all of the, of the supply chain issues that we're experiencing with COVID, mm-hmm. things are, are constantly being pushed back and things can't be fulfilled. It's certainly no fault of, of, of the brands and, and, you know, and the client, but we have to deliver to media. And if we're pitching and we're saying something is going to be available, we need to be sure that it is going to be available if we're announcing it. And so bringing kind of that structure and that uh, strategy that we use for our other clients, I think that, and kind of forcing us to have conversations sometimes that are difficult, certainly in crisis situations, you know, there are, are many, many crisis situations in, in these kind of emerging industries that, that pop up. And so certainly navigating that and bringing our core principles of how we approach a crisis and how we answer and, you know, no comment is a comment and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. It's still our, you know, what I've always done for many, many years, certainly they all have to be adapted for the industry that we're in. But I would say it's, it's the, the core, the core items in, in my being and in my teams and, and kind of how we operate. And we do try to bring that, I'd like to say level of professionalism and making sure that we're always respectful of our media. We meet their deadlines. We are always answering, you know, getting back to them, working on it and and really being a good partner for, for the media. And I think that is so, so important in any industry, but certainly making sure that we're abiding by the requests of the reporter and and they're different. And I want to bring, I'm going to bring up a little bit of that in just a second, but also want to find out because of the demand of clients and, I'm sure you probably get this uh, question asked a lot because clients, I'm sure, they want to also do their own marketing. They also want to do their own content. So whether it's video or audio content, they want to start up their own podcast, a webcast, or put a blog in-house and do constantly put content out on a regular basis. Uh, talk to me about the level of engagement you make with a client from that marketing perspective the involvement you would put yourself into it and how you consult certain clients as to what level of content they would like to put out and what expectations they should have? So for us, it, it kind of depends on the client and how deep they are with their marketing department and how much support they have. We love when a client, we prefer when a client certainly has you know, a marketing communications team that we're working with that are our client contact. Mm-hmm. That's always a win for us. Sometimes the, the what they call them, you know, could be more of a sales function that's also managing, you know, sales and marketing and that we're working with them. So everybody's set up a little bit different, but we always have to work with them. Certainly PR, when we're talking about content generation, PR creates fantastic content generation, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, certainly influencer relations, if you're talking about a product and we can't make claims, but an influencer can, and, you know, that's you know, a a safe way around it. Obviously that's a huge component of what we do and certainly events, corporate social responsibility. Every client's a little different in terms of how deep we go. Sometimes it's let's identify the right places that they should, should be at for marketing and, and, you know, marketing opportunities. Sometimes it could be what, you know, what board should they join or what advocacy group should they be a part of? And so it, it really depends on the client, but it's, we're always weighing in. Certainly, we're, as the extension of our of our clients, we're often either weighing in or and or providing recommendations, or we're doing the research for them in advance and going, "Here's who we 
recommend you get involved in, or here are some organizations that we've researched that may make sense for either senior leadership to get involved in or the company as a CSR campaign to get involved in. So in working so closely hand in hand with our clients, we're involved in in all of that. And while we might not be the folks that are designing everything, right, you know, there may be, and, you know, obviously, you know, But I believe there's some companies, I believe some companies would want you to be that marketing arm. They want you to be the design. They want you to basically be the ad agency. They do. And I always say, listen, again, we've had clients bring us over the years and say, I just, you know, I need you to handle the ad buys. And, And it's certainly comfortable, you know, something that we're comfortable and we deal with it all the time. And I certainly think with the blurring of, of, you know, church and state, so to speak, mm-hmm. when I first got involved in PR, it was very, very divided. Now there's a lot of, um, I'm using air quotes, you know, sponsored content and <laughs> advertorials. Right. Yeah. And, and so yeah. it's, it's, it's naturally blended as a, as a result of that, you know, we're not an ad agency. That's not, you know, we would, we, when we're handling kind of ad buys and sponsored content, that's as part of that bigger strategy and part of that bigger awareness campaign that we're on. So we absolutely do that, but it, it kind of factors into, I, I like to say, and, and maybe, you know, this is my analogy. We, we have a toolbox, you know, tool, we have our toolbox mm-hmm. and we have lots of tools in it and we use different tools for different things. And so we always want to make sure even if we're not managing that aspect of it, we always want to make sure that things are aligned and that they're not disjointed. And so, okay, let's make sure if we're doing, even if we're not handling socials for this particular client, sometimes we draft them and they'll share them. Sometimes we're posting, but let's make sure that we're not making an announcement before, you know, on socials before we can make the announcement. We may have an exclusive with a journalist and we need to make sure that that until that journalist is running the exclusive, that nothing else is spoken about that that news and so we certainly would never want to you know upset a journalist in that respect that certainly is is at the core of our being is is you know making sure that we keep our relationships intact right so the idea would be messages are uniform and coordinated yes and and very strategic and of course have the client buy-in they have to make sense for the client sometimes exclusives make sense for a client other times they don't depending upon whether you're a public company a private company there are so many factors that that figure into the strategy and kind of how we um you know how we strategize together so it's definitely a not a one-size-fits-all approach and the other thing too that that is kind of interesting for us is that we don't take we won't take a whole bunch of competitors. That's just not what we've what we've done and what we're looking to do. And so that's been for us a huge growth area because some people want exclusivity in in their um, you know up and down the supply chain. And so we, because we're so busy and we're not exclusively focused in cannabis psychedelics, kind of emerging industries. Um, and we're not planning to give up that, you know, that part of the business. We are incredibly busy. And so mm-hmm. for us, it's it's really finding the right partner. That's how I like to deem it for the clients that we work with, because we like them. We are that extension. We're, we're strategizing. We're with them all the time. Whenever we've had somebody who says, okay, here's PR, you deal with it, you know, put it in a, you know, I put it on a shelf. I don't want to work on it mm-hmm. internally. That's very difficult for us to have a strategy and to know what's coming and to be able to anticipate and really have that strategy. So we work best when we truly are that extension of the client and we're part of their team and we are an extension of them. And so 
Um, you know, that's what works best for us just because we are so heavily involved. But I would say that every PR firm that's in this space is heavily involved. And, you know, I have the utmost respect for the other agencies in this space. I feel like there's lots of folks coming in as well, too. So there are so many opportunities for all of us that, you know, we all kind of can continue to lift, I think, the industry and the clients up. And, you know, we, we work hard at it. This is not an easy field to be in, just given all of the roadblocks, as we've talked about. And I think we're all working to that common, you know, the common goal here. And so I know it's not easy. I think the clients know it's not easy. And certainly, you know, big shout out to all the other agencies that are, you know, using the tools in their toolbox and, and, and really help them to, to, you know, make a change here. Yep. The other thing you mentioned met several times already in the interviews about working with reporters, working with the media. So PR, and I, this is my own thought process. I studied to be a journalist uh, coming out of college. And we've seen where the news media now has gone, where the integrity and some of the reputation has gone by the wayside. And then there are a lot of studies. So you, could, you go through P research every couple of, every quarter or so. They're coming with new information about you know, the trust of what they're getting from the news sources. And that while the P, press releases and all the information coming from a press source uh, that are going to the press are accurate. But then they're handed over to news reporters or to publishers and editors that might dissuade. They might actually tweak or they might do things where they might have a different narrative behind what they're doing with those stories. Uh, talk to me about what when you have that issue, because the truth is PR feels like they need to be more of the arbiters of truth in some cases because the news media, you know, not all of them are completely above level. Listen, I think we see that in every industry, right? And mm -hmm. so I think that what we've seen in journalism is that there's been there's a lot of opinion-based stories and blogs that are out there. And it didn't used to be like that. It, yeah. You know, it used to be very factual and fact-checking was a thing. It still is, I'm happy to report. I actually um, just dealt with a great fact-checking session for a client with the Wall Street Journal earlier this week and oh, so appreciate that. But that's not the norm and with copy editors gone from newspapers and, you know, not all of them called a fact check the details. Right. And so that's changed in a lot of instances. And, you know, I think you just have to really do your homework. Who are you working with? And what, what is their take on the story? What are the, what is the story that they're looking to tell? Because we love our journalists. We always celebrate uh, journalism month and, you know, editors appreciation month in August. So shout out to all the journalists. We love you guys so, so mm -hmm. much, but there are always going to be times when somebody has a different story that they want to tell. And that may not be the story that we want to be a part of. And right. there's, if somebody is looking to tell the story that they want, that's what they're going to do. And that is their, that's their right to do that. Doesn't mean that we're going to participate in it. Um, fortunately, it doesn't happen very often with us, thankfully. Um, but I will say that, you know, certainly cannabis is a very emotional industry. It's, it's very emotional, right? It, it, yeah. in, in, in a good way, it's very emotional, but people have their opinions, people have their thoughts and they certainly go to Reddit and this is just the average person and, and they put it out there and listen, I look at it like at least people are engaged, right? I try to flip it and look at the positive and go, listen, at least you have people that are really engaged and really, you know, set in their beliefs, but yeah. there's always going to be folks that want to write a story that may not be what you're you're looking to be a part of and ultimately you know we can choose to be a part of it or you know or i should say we can choose to participate in it or not 
Um, as I've said earlier, I don't, you know, no comment is a comment. So I'm not a fan of right. like no comment, right. you know, in general, I just am not a fan of that. I never have been in my whole career. And there are other ways to say no comment, but you know, you can't control the media. You're going to die trying. And, and that's well, one thing that I think people, all people, clients, individuals, everybody needs to understand that you cannot control the media. And at the end of the day, they have the last word. And you can't dictate terms to them. And, you know, there needs to be a mutual respect here. And so it's not easy. I think it's made PR very, very difficult. It's way harder now than I think it ever has been. But on the flip side. That's also because of the fact that now it becomes the pressure gets put on you because of making sure whatever information is coming out is accurate, well-informed. I mean, all you could do is protect what your clients are putting out there as the message and what you're doing being their conduit and putting that word out there for them. I mean, we can't control what the media might do. Truer words never spoken by yours truly with DeRay Ross, with DeRay and company. Stay tuned. We're going to go to another break. When we come back, we're going to give a bonus interview that I had with Brian McLaren, the CEO of Zone Properties here on Blunt Business. Be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm here on Blunt Business with Brian McLaren, Chairman and CEO of Zone Properties, Inc. One question I'm really curious about is really, you know, how how creative can you be on some of the properties when you're consulting some of these companies? So we've seen where Planet 13, they've created the mega superstore model in several facilities in California and Vegas. They're going to bring them to Florida pretty soon. Uh, You look at some uh, dispensaries in Canada, you know, through licensed practitioners, where they're able to go ahead and create record stores or coffee shops, all these different creative kind of facilities. What I want to know, Brian, is uh, when you look at what's going on here, how do you go ahead and help some companies that don't want to have that corporate model or those that want to have a grassroots, probably a smaller business, to try to create something that's much more different, unique, a different experience altogether? Well, uh, talk to me about some of the things you work with, some of the companies, and maybe some examples. Yeah. And the life cycle of that answer is different depending upon what stage in the market emergence um, various groups are working in. So if you're in a brand new state that's just regulated, has new license applications, the education and learning curve of local neighbors, voters is going to be much different than say a Vegas where Planet 13 is located right off the strip that's been had a years of operating history within regulated cannabis. It's gonna be very different than say a Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia that's just emerging. So the answer to the question though, Brasco, I think is far more simple than most people would imagine. 
a lot of people see complex real estate development as this like Pandora's box. How do I discover the secret formula? For us, it's simple. Patience, persistence, and kindness. And when I say that, what I mean is that when you are going into a local city council, a board of trustees, and they're going to have their first dispensary, a lot of times it's the local mom and pop they want there. So we're kind of, you asked about the difference between kind of a big corporate mega store or corporate model. What we've found in this emergence of cannabis is that it has been the legacy operators and the mom and pops that have really paved the way. Now, some markets are different based on licensing, um, but if you look at a lot of the original initial markets, California, Arizona, Colorado, it was true local community members that were in those discussions with their city councils and regulators. And the ones that succeeded far more often than not were the ones that approached it with kindness with education, not combative, aggressive forcefulness, and just be persistent, but in a patient way, this stuff takes time. We're reversing decades and decades and decades of a, a irregulated underground industry and taking that legacy into a regulated modern industry. Um, so it sounds so simple, but oftentimes it's just a matter of doing your homework, bringing real facts to the table to help educate regulators. So one of the biggest common misconceptions about cannabis coming into a new community is that it's going to skyrocket already horrible opioid overdose problem. And that's just not true. The data we are seeing now after years of cannabis operations is in fact the exact opposite. The vast majority of communities, and this is direct data out of national drug abuse and DEA studies is showing that communities that have a sophisticated and improving cannabis retail presence, regulating this product is starting to decrease things like opioid overdoses amongst teens. I mean, that's extremely powerful information. And if, if you as the prospective operator and dispensary owner don't in a kind way, bring that to educate your community, what you're likely going to face is what we're all afraid of is you show up to your city council meeting and you're listening to the council and other members of the public saying exactly the wrong information we've heard for decades. So I want also, that is super important. I want to also ask about uh, when it comes to selecting a facility, the other thing I would imagine too is that some of these facilities that want to have sales, want to have particular events. We know there's a number of dispensaries that might have live music. They might have a pop-up. They might have food trucks outside. They might, you know, occupy some space in the parking lot. Talk to me about the considerations you have there when it comes to those that are looking for facilities that they can also do things that are just immediately outside their facility. Yeah, in, in cannabis, the easiest answer for whether it's a cultivation site or a dispensary site is we call it the three P's people, power, and parking. Mm -hmm. Those tend to be the most important when you're looking for that site, because if you don't have power and parking, you're not going to be able to do those types of appropriate event promotions that will help your site succeed. And the people factor is super important. When I say people, I mean, both employees and of course, supporters of the community but also just contractors. A lot of the challenges that cannabis companies face is they end up in a community, sometimes rural, sometimes metro, 
and they just can't find contractors to help them develop the site. I'm talking about general contractors, construction, subcontractors, delivery distribution workers. So really important when you're looking at that site, think about the team you're going to need around you, not just the team within your company, but the team that's going to be the network that supports that. In other industries, it's certainly a huge consideration, but it's typically not as big a problem. There's less regulations. In cannabis, sometimes you could go to the perfect general contractor, but they see the federal reform as too much of a risk. And Mm -hmm. so they won't do your project until it's federally legal. So Mm -hmm. for any of the listeners that are pursuing cannabis companies, especially investors, these are really important. We work with a lot of investors through our advisory to make sure that the projects you're investing in have these considerations and have these conversations ahead of time. So let's go wrap things up again. Website is zonedproperties.com. Uh, if you want to go to invest, check them out on the OTC markets. Uh, they're listed under the stock ticker ZDPY. Again, Brian, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you. You guys are the best. And anytime you need listener interest in real estate development and for anyone out there that just wants to talk real estate, get a hold of us. We're here to help. And that's it for this bonus edition of Blunt Business. Thank you for listening in, finding the shows you always do. Quick reminder, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and also subscribe if you can. I implore you on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you find your podcasts. And if you want to reach out to me personally, if you want to go and ask more about the show, if you want to recommend somebody as a guest or you want to recommend yourself as a guest or any topics we should go ahead and talk about on the program, please, by all means, reach out to me, Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O at CannabisRio.com. Emails go directly to me. Thanks for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.